When Stars Align is a weekly half-hour podcast where we unite different zodiac signs and talk about popular topics and current events happening around the world. Today, I'm speaking with two Lawrence, and we're going to differentiate between the two of you by using your last name initial. So Lauren G. I'm Lauren G. Lauren T. I'm Lauren T. Okay, great. And then what are your guys' astrological signs? Gemini. I'm a Virgo. And we'll get into what that means in a little bit. But LG, Lauren G, is our Virgo therapist, and Lauren T is our Gemini screenwriter. These are two of my very good friends, and we are going to talk about something extremely important, mental health in the age of social media. And Lauren, you're obviously an AMFT. Do you mind explaining what that acronym stands for? Yeah, sure. So AMFT um, essentially just means I'm an associate marriage and family therapist. So did my undergrad, I had to go to grad school, get my uh, graduate degree in training in marriage and family therapy, which... It sounds like, you know, you're a marriage therapist, but what it essentially means is that marriage, you can work with couples, Mm -hmm. any type of couple. Family, you can work with a big group, a whole family thing. And then, of course, individuals are included in that too. But um, so the associate part of that just means I'm still working on gaining my hours. So I've got my degree, I've got my associate license. I just got to get 3000 hours until I can like do it on my own. How many hours are you at? 800. Lauren Gallier will be able to psychoanalyze the effects that social media has on people's mental health in a way that your average person like Lauren T and I can't. As for our other Lauren, she has a strong understanding of the negative effects of social media, more so from the POV of the consumer, and she kind of outwardly disapproves of social media. I think social media is a trap. What do you mean? Elaborate. It's what people want you to feel. They put out what you want, what they want you to feel. That's very true. Before we get into all that, because this is a very important discussion, Lauren G, what does being a Virgo mean to you? The first time I felt something with being a Virgo. Mm -hmm. I remember being in middle school, kind of finding like, oh, here's my reading in the back of Teen Magazine or something, and feeling so comforted by being a part of an in-group, which is just human nature. Like everyone wants to be a part of an in-group or feel some type of like, Community. I belong. Yeah, yeah, community. And I felt so understood by being like, oh, I, I totally do that. Oh, I'm so analytical, all these things. Uh, but I think it was because it was at a time when I didn't feel understood. My parents didn't get me. Maybe my friends didn't get me, whatever, you know, whatever was happening at the time, I felt so seen by this like bigger thing. Did you start yeah. like being really, not really invested, but however invested you were into astrology when you were in middle school, high school? Because that seems like it stems back from a like earlier time in your life. I didn't really take it seriously to a point of I acted off of it or like did anything because it told me to or not. It seemed to give me maybe like hope. Sometimes it'd be like, oh, you're going to have a really good month. There's actually like a psychological phenomenon called the Barnum effect, which is the feeling of if I'm general enough, I can appeal to a mass audience, right? And so I think a lot of poorly constructed astrological readings like Mm -hmm. we see in magazines like I was talking about play into that effect of let me just get the mass audience liking this it touches on what I was saying of people want to be included they want to feel understood or seen or that they're a part of something bigger so I think I still find that comfort sometimes especially with people like you who will say oh I totally see why you did that because you're a Virgo as for Lauren T you're a Gemini like me and I'll chime in here too but what does that mean to you 
Well, I'm a May Gemini. You're a June Gemini. We're different. We're different. <laughs> We're very different. <laughs> what is the difference between us? Because there are some stark contrasts. I feel like we both have chaotic Gemini energy, but we channel it and utilize it in way different ways. You don't react on impulse. And like, even if someone bothers you, you're not going to pop off. But I'm going to pop the fuck off. No, I'm not going to pop off. <laughs> you're very calculated. Okay. So Lauren G., I've always considered you to be a very straightforward and thoughtful person, which is likely why you make a great therapist. You're also someone who knows how to be empathetic, but upfront and honest as well. How do you navigate that balance in your sessions with patients? That's a really good question. Also, I'm going to call them clients, but it really is a balancing act because as so much research has shown that the, the greatest outcome in therapy is really due to rapport and therapeutic alliance with your therapist. So much of that comes from being genuine and authentic because you can smell bullshit just as humans. You're like, why is this person being like awkward and weird? It doesn't feel good when you can sense any type of like, can't pinpoint it, but it feels wrong. Yeah. So that act of like, oh, I, I'm empathetic, but I'm, I'm, I don't know, maybe blunt or curt sometimes. I think it can work to the benefit of the client that I'm not going to overlook an emotion they're feeling. But I am going to hold them to the fire, if that makes sense. A lot of people will feel uncomfortable having an uncomfortable feeling. And they kind of want to brush past it some through humor, through whatever, brushing mm -hmm. it off. It doesn't matter. But it can feel uncomfortable if I say, hey, hold on, like, sit with that for a second. What's coming up? I feel like here tears almost. Right? I could feel something mm -hmm. stuck. And it can be really uncomfortable. But what that's telling them is that, oh, someone noticed. Like, I didn't get away with it. Normally, my friends let me make the joke. Normally, my parents are cool if I say I'm fine, but I said I was fine, and someone was like, oh, you're not. So they're learning it's okay to not be okay, but it's also that it's a hard line to walk of, I really do want to be empathetic. I felt what you're feeling, and it sucks, but let's feel it. It is a hard balance sometimes, and it depends on the therapy. client, too. I love therapy for that reason. My therapist is, like, the best person ever, and she's... Always just like, okay, Sid, we, we get it. You're joking, but let's let's <laughs> dig into this. Do you get a lot of Gen Z and millennial aged patients? That is like the mass amount of my clients, Gen okay. Z, millennial. Do you um, think that's because Gen Z and millennial people believe more in protecting their mental health than let's say baby boomers do? I think yes and, and no. I think it has a lot to do with my age and gender. Younger women typically seek me out. They might see my picture online and say, oh, okay, yeah, I might feel comfortable mm -hmm. talking to her. Whereas I only really have one client who's a baby boomer age. They're not so attuned to going to therapy. It's not really their thing. But I think if I'm being honest, it's a lot to do with my age. Getting back into the social media discussion, is confidence and how social media affects confidence, is that ever a big part of your discussions with your clients? There have been a couple times where people have maybe described like needing a break from it or, mm. or having a hard time finding a balance of like, I like to unwind on social media but then getting lost in it like oh i spent seven hours on my phone that doesn't yeah feel good either. and that does not feel good going off of that with imposter syndrome from a therapist standpoint what does that mean to you it's a persistent feeling persistent inability to believe your own success is deserved but more importantly most often what it is or what it feels like is the inability to believe that your success is true or legitimate based on your hard work so maybe that feeling of like Am I actually smarter? Did I just get into school because they have a random lottery? It's kind of that little voice in the back of your head of, you're not good enough. Yeah, you're yeah. not good enough. Or like, you just got lucky. Mm -hmm. You just got lucky. You didn't earn it. Yeah. And Lauren T, what have you ever experienced imposter syndrome, especially as a creative? 
in Hollywood. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned being a writer is you cannot look left or right, you have to look forward. So not in that. So you were being affected by that, but then you kind of really. found your footing? I think at the beginning, what pisses me off about people in general mm-hmm. is that everybody's comparing themselves to other people. Yep. And so for me, if it's like two writers are going up for somebody, the person who's right for it is going to get the job. The person who's the right nuance is going to get that. Like what is meant for you is meant for you. And I think that's, that's something a good that I learned very early on that I feel like a lot of people don't learn. What's meant for you is meant for you is something that I think most people should live by and stand by. For me personally, it's hard to believe that sometimes because then I would be at a different place right now. But we don't exactly, I wouldn't. I think that's what people don't understand. Like if you don't get a job in a writer's room, there are so many factors to why you might not have gotten that job that like if you got it, you'd be sitting there probably quiet because you don't have anything to contribute because your personal experience actually isn't a direct yeah. And you're going to get the thing yeah. that is meant for you yeah. at the time that it's meant yeah. for you to get it. But I think Lauren's making a good distinction, which is that it's not your personal self-worth that mm-hmm. is why you didn't get it. Because of whether it's your experience or whether it's your comedy is right for that room or not. It's not your direct self-worth. So you're not tying your confidence into, did I get this job or not? It's a really healthy way to reframe the state of mind. And then as far as that goes connecting back to social media, I think... We're constantly comparing ourselves because we're just intaking so much content from people and what they're posting. It's like, oh, that looks so great. Like, I want that life. I want to be doing that. How did they get there? And it kind of turns into a feeling of bitterness and resentment, which is not good. But I have felt that way before. It's like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people feel this way. You don't want to see other people fall, but you just want to see yourself rise. So it's it's just tough. So did you guys know that there is a statistic saying spending three hours or more on social media a day greatly attributes to a decline in mental health and a rise in anxiety and depression? It's also true that about 70% of adults and 80% of teens in the U.S. use social media. So is everyone depressed? Lauren T., you start off with us. What do these is stats tell you? Is everyone in the world depressed? Are 70 to 80% of young adults to adults in the United States depressed? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know 70 to yeah. 80% of people. But what does that stat mean to you? Do you think that holds any weight? Or are you just surprised? I'm not surprised that people think that social media is bad for people's mental health. I think it's designed to be fake. People are only showing you what they want you to see. So mm-hmm. imagine what is the impulse behind Look at me in this couple's photo. Look, look, look at me. 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 How many likes? How many likes? How many likes? How many mm-hmm. likes? How many likes? Are you like actually paying attention to your partner or are you just showing it to the world to be like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's designed to show happiness. Is that actually happiness? Or are you looking at two people who are probably fighting right before the picture? And then hold on, we have to like put on a smiley face for the camera. We've really come to a place where the amount of likes we get on a photo makes or breaks our day. That shit really will ruin my day if I'm like, what the hell? Why did I get 40 likes over the course of six hours? I'm deleting this and I'm going to repost it on a better day. That's wild. I know you guys might not do it. And I don't I've even... seen you do it. Okay. We know. We know. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Witnessed. Yeah, witnessed. I'm being honest. It's embarrassing, but also probably relatable. I didn't put a second like on it out of an act of rebellion. Oh my God. You're not a good friend. Um, but honestly, yeah. Hold me accountable for my shit. LG, Lauren Gallier. Can you please... 
therapize me. I need I need a Virgo perspective on this because you guys are very like strategic and thoughtful and straightforward. And I just, what is your take on that? If I'm going to be a Virgo for a second. I'm going to go back to the stats we were talking about for a minute. Mass diagnosing. Oh, they use social media so they're depressed. The latest research has showed that it really matters who you were before using social media. So predisposed to, did you have depression? How's your relationship with your parents or your caregivers? Uh, histrionic personality disorder, like things like this that really matter. And then the biggest factor in determining if you actually experienced any mental health distress was the type of stuff you were ingesting. It didn't matter if you were on social media. What mattered was, oh, am I looking for attention because I don't know how to ask for help? Hmm. Or am I posting something because I'm genuinely excited about it and I want to experience this with other people. So really what you just touched on, Lauren, were we this couple just fighting and then we posted a picture because we want to look happy or did we just celebrate a large milestone? And we really want our friends and family to see that. So that was one of the biggest determinants of who had an enjoyable experience or ones who didn't and what their mental health felt like after social media. An interesting phenomenon we've seen which you guys might remember when we were kids was parents like freaking out about video games and like oh if my kid plays warzone call of duty or something james bond goldeneye whatever that they're gonna be violent or Mm -hmm. that they're gonna act out i mean uh firsthand experience was like a a friend wasn't allowed to watch uh, power rangers because his mom thought he would start punching people like truly so that's what's happening now is that we're finding parents, the new gen of parents, are saying like, oh, well, social media is ruining my kid. It's that blanket statement. Mm-hmm. But what really matters, my dad thinks it has destroyed me. Yeah. But what really matters is who you were before using it. How it, So that affects how it affects you. And then the, what you're trying to get from it. I think validation really, is really a big matters. thing, too. So your question was really like, how do I not care? So how do you not about- care about that? Because IG has started Taking yes. off the likes, mm-hmm. that is a thing. And I think that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's a really good question, but it's not like an overnight fix. I think what you're really asking and what you have to do is reframe, is mm-hmm. reframe what it means to you and what you're trying to get out of it. So what it really sounds like is that when you post something, the likes for you are validating that you are good, you're lovable, you're beautiful, you're successful, whatever it is that post was trying to mean to you. And if you don't get a certain amount of likes, it means it's not true. The thing is, is that it's not your fault. Somewhere along the way, you were taught, whether consciously or subconsciously, that external validation was the truth. Or over a long period of time, conditioned you to believe, and that mm-hmm. might even just be through social media use. The more likes you get, the more popular you are, or mm-hmm. whatever. The cooler kids in school get more likes, which means it's truth, whatever it is. I think it has to start from an interpersonal level, too. Like, you have to believe yourself before looking anywhere else. So right now it sounds like you've maybe learned, I don't look as good as I thought I did in that picture if I don't get 87 likes. Where if you reframe that perspective, it would be, I think I look beautiful in this picture and I want everyone to see. There's no true or false once I post it. It just is. It just exists. See, this is why therapy is great. Everyone should get a damn therapist. Um, I This is like a free session for me right now. Another downside to social media is FOMO, fear of missing out. And so I swear I do the most, like I'm always out and about doing shit. Everyone's always like, oh, you seem to have a very fun, active life. But when I see people online doing more than me, I also get jealous. I'm just really putting myself on blast right now and being super (laughs) fucking honest. But it's really difficult to be content in the digital age. It's like the grass is always greener. 
Lauren T. As a social butterfly Gemini, do you ever suffer from the ailment that is FOMO? During Black Lives Matter, I changed my relationship with social media because I started getting really annoyed with it and I deleted it for almost two months. Because of performative activism? Yes. You know, when you see people who in real life are really committing microaggressions, Mm -hmm. but then on Instagram being like, we need to stop and listen to black people because it's their time to shine. Well, what are you really doing? I mean, if you are not walking the walk in your real life, then why do I care what you have to say on Instagram if I know that you're not walking the walk in your real life? Or even if you're looking at people saying, let's post a black square today, and then you go on their Instagram and they have not one black friend in any of their photos. I've seen a lot of those black squares. Well, I you well back in June 2020, I was like, huh, this person looks like Wonder Bread. No offense. I'm white, so I can say this. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> looks like Wonder Bread. And their entire friend group looks like Wonder Bread. So it is performative in a sense. Because they post the black square and then do they ever do anything again? Mm-hmm. It stops there. How important is it if you're not bothering to reach across the aisle and actually have a genuine friendship with somebody that doesn't look the same as you. Totally. Or if you're going to a dinner party and you don't recognize that, oh my God, everybody looks the same as me because I'm going to a dinner party with 10 white people and I'm noticing, oh wow, I'm the only black person here. I can deal with it because I had to assimilate, but people don't notice that. And that has kind of made you a social media cynic over the years, hasn't it? I think, or as my therapist would say, that I do not, I like to live in truth in a world full of lies. (laughs) You guys are both dropping gems right now. And like these phrases need to be on a t-shirt. I'm going to make merch and trademark this shit. Well, I think you said something that's so powerful, which was her question was like, do you ever experience FOMO? And you were essentially saying like, no, because I can see that it's, some of it's not real. Some Mm -hmm. of it would hurt me if I were to experience it too. And that you've gotten really good at asking yourself that question of like, is it true? Would it better me? Would it make me feel good? Is this something I want to engage in? So that's a really it's powerful. It's taken me a long right. time to get that way, but it was mm-hmm. a lot of bullying when and I a lot was of, a child yeah, when I was yeah. by myself. And I did have FOMO. And then yeah. growing up to realize, well, what am I really missing out? Yeah. It was a lot of bullying and a lot of therapy. What are your guys' favorite social media platforms and how long do you spend on them? It really is just Instagram. I just, I like scrolling. I tend to find myself not scrolling on my feed, but on the explore one. And Mm. so I find like musicians on there. I I love musical theater and finding people like vocal coaches teaching me something. I'm not a singer, but I just enjoy things like that. And so I find myself being more intrigued by the like explore page rather than my feed of the friends that I follow. So there's more positive attributes that connect to Instagram for you. Like you find new people that you like to follow or music Mm -hmm. and stuff. That seems like a good thing. In that way that I use it, sure. I think I'm just a human too. I definitely will go down a rabbit hole sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. I'll find myself, I try not to use my phone in bed, but there are nights I'm on my phone and I don't realize I've been on it for two hours and I feel, I just feel weird after. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm supposed to be tired. I don't really feel tired because I've been staring at a bright ass screen for two hours and now my sense is all messed up. But I think what Lauren T was saying is what really matters is like, it takes a lot of time to teach yourself what type of Bullshit you're intaking every day. Yeah, you know, what you want to intake and what's good and what's not real. So once you kind of accept that there's no timeline that everybody works on, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. have to be 
28 to get married or, you know, getting married at 40 is just as good. I'm going to be 48, maybe getting married. <laughs> but I think that's what really gets people is this like made up social construct of a timeline that like you have to do things by mm-hmm. that people start comparing themselves. And that's the easiest place to do that is online is when you see a girl you went to high school with got married and has two kids. And then you're looking at yourself saying, well, how come? I still have a roommate and I make minimum wage. And you start asking yourself and comparing things, but you really, it all starts back inside, readjusting that belief that a timeline even exists. And then Lauren T, what about you? Favorite social media and how long do you spend on it per day? This is weird because I do spend time on social media. I don't know, like probably three hours a day. I think the hard part is as a writer, like it makes sense to me to study people, but then also I'm like, oh, I found out way too much. I need to stop. (laughs) You, you are Sherlock fucking Holmes. Like the rabbit holes you go down, it would give um, Roger Rabbit a run for his money. Um, Oh, that was really bad. No, I don't know what it is. Like one day I was just like on Instagram and I was like, does nobody see what I'm seeing? And then everyone's like, no. So then I'm like, okay, here, like, let me connect the dots. And I'm just like... And then I just ruin people. <laughs> you definitely connect dots. I will say that. But I feel like that for me, as an observant person, mm-hmm. social media is difficult because it's hard for me to unsee what I can see. So that's why I try to just not really pay attention anymore because yeah. I don't want to see. But also I have a very hard time not seeing, um, especially when they had that follow tab. Oh, that was terrible. The tab where you can see what everybody likes. Oh, God. Well, that's just... I I would use that when I was dating and stuff. Like, when I was more insecure in my relationships back in college, I would be like, who are they liking? But now I feel like if that tab existed, I would still use it. (laughs) What am I saying? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's always in everyone's business. Yeah. They open the business for everyone to be in the business. They do. Mm -hmm. On Instagram. Instagram. why do we know this much about people from Instagram? Half of, like, the things that I understand about people have come from Instagram. People posting infographics. I was like, this is narcissism. Yeah. (laughs) During the Black Lives Matter movement? No. During every movement, there's a new infographic. Yeah. No, true. Oh, my God. And we can get into the other movements. That's a whole other fucking thing. people that are deciding that they know what mental health is and diagnosing people from Instagram, making their own infographics and saying, this is what this disorder means. Like, do you have a license? (laughs) like who like you're just perpetuating ignorance like nobody actually knows ignorance and narcissism like you said it's Um, pretending like you know everything making infographics about racism what racism is there are people making infographics about anti-semitism there are people making infographics just like where did these come from yeah did you read like they just went on powerpoint and made a like quick thing yeah like what gives you google image search to make yeah. all these infographics. I don't understand. And I don't mm. and then people recycle them, people share them, people repost them, and then before you know it, it's this huge bad game of telephone where all this bad information is getting out mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. conflicts that nobody even actually read a history book to understand the conflict. That part. Absolutely. The history yeah. book part. And that's oh, I see now, damn it, you opened up a whole <laughs> can of worms that I want to get into, but we have no time left. So, <laughs> so we're done. So we're done, but I might have you back to talk about that kind of stuff because maybe there'll be a part two of this podcast episode. We'll see if anyone likes it. I'm sure people will. Um, you guys are semi-interesting. Media, so we we come back. You need to wait for social media no, validation. I don't, get, I don't yeah. get likes on Instagram. 
I'll hit you with a like after this. I'll go like all your posts. What's please, your guys' takeaway? Please. What's your guys' takeaway from today? And what would you say you've either learned or would like to teach others as we close out? Lauren T, you go. I would like to say that what I have learned is in this world, people are not all good or all bad. You have to read the grays and the nuance. And that is the most important thing. Let's take away from social media. You can't believe everything that you see. And Lauren G? Yeah, retweet. No, it's such a good summary. It's just that, yeah, it's not nothing. It's not inherently bad. It really depends on how you're using it, what you want to get from social media. And I think, I mean, it, something I learned is just how vast the experiences are people mm -hmm. have with it. Just us three at this table here. I seem like kind of like a lurker, <laughs> a voyeur of sorts. And there's yeah. some, and then someone else at the table really has like inner self ties connected to social media. So it's just it's such a vast experience to have with it. Cool. I love it. And then if anyone is looking for a therapist, I'm plugging you right now. Lauren is accepting new patients and she's fucking awesome. And obviously you guys, this is, this is evidence right here, this entire podcast, but thank you both for coming on today. I love you guys very much. Gemini and Virgo energy in the building. And thank you guys for listening to When Stars Align. We'll see you next week.